This episode of The Capsule in Conversation is brought to you by Harrogate Springwater. Harrogate is the home of the British Spa and Britain's premium natural source water. Hello everyone, welcome back to The Capsule in Conversation. I'm Natalie Anderson and today I'm joined by singer, songwriter, presenter and one-fifth of the Saturdays, Una Healy, to talk flying solo, fighting back and being fierce at 40. So sit back, relax and get ready to join in with our conversation. you're all well and are enjoying a very lovely Easter. Can you believe we're here already? I've got a lady on my street who's still got her Christmas decorations up. It seems like two minutes ago since we were singing Old Lang Syne and getting ready to enter the promised land of a freer 2021. And here we are, still locked down, and chocolate for breakfast has become the norm as opposed to a treat for the holidays. Still, we all love a visit from the Easter Bunny, and today he's brought me a very special guest alongside my mini eggs. She's a singer, acclaimed songwriter, presenter, judge of The Voice Island, alongside being one of the five gorgeous ladies that make up one of our favourite girl bands, The Saturdays. It is the multi-talented and super fabulous Una Healy. Hi, oh, Una. Hi, Natalie. That is so nice. Oh, you've really teed me off so nice there. Thank you. Oh, no, I, I was like, oh, my God, all these amazing things that we will get into, you know, and thank you so much for being with me today. It's so lovely to have you. Oh, so lovely to, to speak to you and to see you. And not in, in reality, like, but, you know, it's nice to just even just be chatting again. It's lovely. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and, and it is Easter Sunday today. Now, are you a person that likes to do all of the traditional things like chocolate for breakfast, Easter egg hunts and bonnet making? Or can you just sing, I can't be bothered? Oh, not the bonnet making. I don't know if I've ever done that. Um, but yeah, Easter egg hunts, we always do one of them in the garden. Um, and yeah, just they're kind of like, it's just all about eating loads of chocolate, isn't it really? <laughs> I remember like as a child myself, it was just like, how many eggs can we actually have? And I remember, I think I had about 10 eggs and just and eating most of them in one day it's disgusting really when you think about it you know but um and yeah, you go to school indulging i know you go to school don't you go how many eggs did you get how many yeah. did you get and it was like always oh, a bit of a competition well i had this one and you'd kind of just say you like i had 16 eggs yeah and how big they were as well because i yeah. remember when i was younger as well like i always wanted to get a big egg but um yeah it's just probably probably too much chocolate but it's still it's great it's just nice something to look forward to it's more kind of like a celebration of spring and about new beginnings and you know the evenings as i say a good old stretch in the evenings where we're kind of like seeing uh yeah longer days and yeah and just like you know new beginnings like that again it's just less gloomy it's more fun and yeah it's just nice and yeah. it has come around quickly now you've got two children Ifabel and tiger Tig, yeah, tig. tig. Well, anyone, anyone like wondering how to pronounce them? Because written down, like you know, phonetically, they do not look like that because they're Irish names. So it's like Efa, that's spelled A O I F E, but um, it's Efa. Yeah, she's Efa Bell, and then Tig. Um, so it's also both Irish names. Yeah, beautiful names, and they're nine and six, aren't they? Now, do they love the sense of occasion as well? Oh, always. Like anything to celebrate. Any time of year, really, the, the excitement of an Easter egg hunt is always one. It's really fun. Um, you know, usually when the weather is nice, you can do it outside. Not a great idea to do it indoors, though, especially if you're hiding them like in the corners or <laughs> the radiator. You don't want to forget about them there. Oh, no, to clean up the mess, you know, that's happened before. I was going to say, you sound like you're talking yeah, from experience yeah, yeah, there. I just remember it mushing into the carpet like, oh, um, but no, yeah, hopefully we'll get to do one. Um, later today um, outdoors. But how have the children coped during lockdown? Because can you believe it's been a year now that we've been in this situation? I mean, how has it been yeah. for you as a family? I found the first one, I actually was talking to one of my friends about the lockdown one, and I kind of miss it a bit because it was kind of like, because it was so different and unusual and just like you're kind of like, it was it just happened, didn't it? And we, we hadn't time to prepare or think about it. Or, or, or we didn't know how long it was going to go on for. And it just was a bit of a novelty, I guess, at the time. And I enjoyed it in a way, like just bonding at home with the kids. But as it got, as time went on and on and on, I was over in the UK, actually, because I've been living in, in the UK for 12 years. I've just mm. moved, moved back to Ireland, but I was on my own over there. I was there with the two kids and I didn't have any family around me. So I never really got to leave the house. And it was just me and the kids. Uh, I was homeschooling on my own as well. So yeah, it kind of, yeah, it got, it got tough, but we found like, 
going for cycles. Oh, we love the old cycles in the evenings. <laughs> and then I found a corner shop that like I didn't realize where I lived that there was this little corner shop that was open because most shops were closed. And it was the highlight of I, I only let them do it like twice a week, maybe three times a week where we'd, we'd cycle as far as the shop and go into the shop and get some sweets and come back again. And it was like the highlight of the day and just simple little things like that. And I have fond memories of that time as well, of just being the three of us. And it kind of like uh, for me as well, as a single parent as well, I think it kind of really solidified our, our union as a little trio, you know, and I was like, oh. and it was, lo- you know, I have to say it was lovely. It was tough now. This is why I came home, though, because I do I do need the support like as I am a, a working mother as well. And as all working mums need the help and support so that they can go and do their thing, you know. So my mum is, is very hands-on and she helps with the kids and stuff. So I'm very I mean, blessed. I was just about to say that, like, I can't even believe you did that all by yourself. I, I homeschooled with, with one child and my husband and it was so bloody hard. And the fact that you did that whole chunk alone, I mean, my God, you're amazing. Like, literally, just amazing. Uh, I was just looking as well that they get on so well that, um, you know, I was doing my radio show, Country Hits Radio as well. I've been doing that for a year at home as well and um they're very good like that they're all be saying right i'm going in now if to you know you have to be very quiet because this is a radio show you know you can't be like screaming and shouting in the background or fighting so they're so good that they really respect that and they're just well very well behaved and they understand what i do and they they know they have to be quiet when i'm recording and stuff like that i mean that is amazing though you know because it is a it is a stress isn't it and like when you're trying to be i think for for all working mums you know you're trying to be an amazing mum and you're trying to do your job and you're constantly being split in half and it's so hard to do both equally well and you do get that guilt sometimes where you're like uh i want to do this yeah. but I, i've got to do this because that enables me to for you to have a better yeah. life to do this it's so hard isn't it it's a real it's just a real paternal thing I think and you know for a woman you call it maternal thing you just want to you just want to be the number one job in the world when your mom is is, is, is being a mom you know um, but when you are working like you know you're out there to provide for them so you're doing your thing for them but you at the same time you miss them I always do like when I'm away for a couple of days or that like I'll just be thinking about them all the time um, but you know the f- funny thing about that and you should say as well about being a mom it's like you know you, you never the dads never really get asked about that you know going like how do you you know if they're in an interview or anything mm-hmm. like about work um and they've got kids or whatever they never really get asked like so how do you manage you know yeah. doing what you do and having kids it's like they just don't they just don't get asked but I found found and I always find as, as a mom like it's, I, I get asked and questioned about how do I do a kind of thing all the time but it's like you just do it because that's just you know it's what we do <laughs> and you find ways around it because the kids aren't gonna aren't gonna look after themselves so you just have to always call on support and help and childcare and all that kind of thing um in order to do it but um I've always worked even while I was pregnant and just all the time and and that's that's you know what I what I want to want to do and I also also just to hopefully be a good role model to my children as well that you know that they need to go out there and work hard in life you know and I think that's so true because like my mum was a single parent and she had me very very young and it was just me and her forever it felt like forever yeah. anyway and, it, and <laughs> she's she I had such respect for my mum and do now even now and for Fred I kind of wanted him to see that same thing I wanted him to realize that you know you you have to kind of if you want anything in life, you have to go out and work for it. Do you know what I mean? And he's totally, been—he's yeah. had a totally different childhood to me. Like I—I re—we really struggled, me and my mum. And so, even though Freddie's not in that same position, I still kind of want a bit of struggle for him because I think that's how kids learn, isn't it? Yeah. Oh no, definitely. You know, we all just look. Everyone's situation is so different, but everyone's just doing their best and the best that they can. You know, and um, just once the kids are happy and loved and supported and everything like that, like I just you know nothing nothing else matters to me than just to know that my children are happy um and you know moving back here for me was 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 part of that too because they just love having granny and granddad around too they're so close to them i'm very close to my parents as well so it's definitely the right place it's the right decision but it's just very uncertain times you know you just don't know what's around the corner you just have to take it one day at a time Absolutely. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of this chat, you're a lady of many, many talents. Singer, songwriter, presenter, judge, designer. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But your first kind of, shall we say, semi-professional, you know, kind of career was in swimming. I mean, you were the All-Ireland Champion at nine. So just tell me about that. Yeah, I was as a swimmer, uh, first starting out in life, you know, a competitive swimmer, I swam 
representing my county um, uh, and and Monster, which is our province. And um, like I was the fa- the best um, youngster at the time in my province, and and I won the All Ireland. So I was I, I worked very hard at that too. Now that was something that, that required a, a lot of time and effort. And and my mum was was so amazing with with me with that too. She used to come along and watch me train and come to all my galas. My dad as well. My sister used to swim and she used to run. We used to do a lot of running and swimming, but the swimming for me was my number one. But yeah, with that, I was swimming every day. Um, and I always like I, I knew I was so determined, like when I was really little to to um, to win that All-Ireland Gold. And I was only nine, like when I won it. But like, yeah, it's it really stood to me, I think, in life to just really like I aim so high. It's like I want to be the fastest in Ireland. <laughs> so when I achieved that, I was so delighted. Um, but it was tough to keep to compete with the the other clubs around the country because I came from a, quite a small town and there was no club actually after the age of after age I was training myself and that was hard to keep, compete with clubs that were training twice a day and had you know really intense sessions so I kind of like gave it up really and focused then on music after that so so my first love was was swimming and what was it about the swimming that you loved what was it about that I don't know I just like I'll tell you what it was it was six and um no, actually, when I was four, I nearly drowned in the pool because I ran in without my armbands on and the, the lifeguard had to pull me out. But it, it didn't put me off. I think it just made me all the more determined. <laughs> little things like that can kind of either put you off or make you go, do you know what? I'm going to jump in that deep end next week without my armbands. And I did. Um, but I was six and I was at home and I'm, I'm that type. I get bored really easily. So um, I can't just sit down. And even if I'm watching a film, I'm thinking of a million things at the same time. <laughs> so I was annoying my mother so much going, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Oh, and she was just like, what am I going to do with her? So she saw an advert in the paper about like um, the, the swimming club was was looking for children. Kind of, I think they were only looking for them from the age of eight, but I, I was only six, but she, she sent me down anyway. <laughs> and I just was, I was naturally quite good once I learned how to swim and without the armbands. I was doing the two wits of the pool and I remember doing like every stroke the tumble turns, the dives, the butterfly, everything from at the age of six. And, and they, they just noticed, they were like, she's, she's actually exceptionally good at this. So um, I just loved it. I was like a little fish. Um, I don't know what, how I, why I, or it didn't come from, it wasn't in the family run. We didn't know swimmers in the past. I just loved it. You know, you know. just felt free in the water. Yeah, And I still love it. Like, Oh, I just love getting into the water and yeah, I miss the pool now. That's one of the lockdown things I miss. Yeah, I bet. You know, if that's become part of like your routine since being a young girl, then yeah, it's like that's kind of what you know, isn't it? And like what you've grown with. But as you said, then, you know, you did, you kind of quit swimming in your early teens and then moved into music. Now, you taught yourself to play guitar, but it was your mum's guitar. So were you a musical family anyway? Yeah, my, my mum used to play, actually. Well, my uncle is a, a very well-known country and Irish singer. His name is Declan Nurney. And uh, yeah, everyone in Ireland that that's a, that knows a bit about country music will know him, you know. Um, so I was like, grew up around that. And um, and my mum, because she used to, to sing it as well when she was a student nurse, she was in a, a little band called um, The Saints. They used to play semi-professionally. So she had a gorgeous Martin guitar that she got in the 70s over in New York. And she just she handed it to me when I was 12 and... She just taught me a couple of chords and then I they went to a funeral, I think, one day. And then I, my my grandfather passed away when I was 12 and I just started playing the chords and the song came into my head. It was called I Miss You. And I, my first, first song I wrote was 12 on the guitar for my for my grandfather that died. Um, mm. And then, yeah, and then I just kept just kept playing, kept writing. And, you know, everyone in school knew that that I that I wanted to do that. They were like, yeah, you still want to be a singer. I was like, I know. Yeah. And they were like, get called up to do all the open days and perform. And then in, for my exams as well, I used to perform my own original compositions as well. And I kind of knew eventually it was what I was going to do. So in school, I studied very hard as well because I felt, I, I know how fickle the music industry is, especially with my uncle. He, he had done, he had um, grafted for so many years as well and found it tough, but he, he kind of, he got there in the end, but I knew it wasn't going to come easy. So I says, well, I need to find something to fall back on. So I did try a couple of things in university um, and I wouldn't encourage anyone to drop out. I'm not saying just because I did, oh yeah, do that and then go and do what you want. No, always try and find something that you, you know, you'll enjoy. That's, that's the best advice and try and stick it, stick it out. But I, I couldn't get the music out of my head. I mean, I was very similar in that sense. Like my, I wanted to perform from being really young and my granddad always said to me, but you need to get an education because you know, there's thousands of girls just like you. And I remember his words so clear and I worked really hard in school the same. And like you've just said then, 
I've now kind of put two and two together because you actually um, looked into nursing and primary school teaching. But as you just said, then your mum was in nursing as well. Yeah. So is that kind of why you pursued that route? Yeah, like they're both vocations, I guess, as well. Like you, you really want to, you have to invest your whole self into them. And mm-hmm. when you have something else in the back of your head, it's hard to, to really dedicate your, your full self and, and mind and everything into it. So my mum was a nurse, yeah. Um, and she always went on about the, the good old days and it's being a student nurse and the crack they had and all that. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do too, you know. Um, but no, it wasn't for me. Primary teaching, I think the reason somebody mentioned it would be good for me because of the music, actually. Um, they were like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not a lot of primary teachers. It's, it's important to like, you know, nurture the music in them and, you know, you'd have that and also the sport. So um, and I like kids, too. So. I thought that it, I, I thought it would suit me, but again, the the music was knocking on the door. I was like, oh, I couldn't put it out. It's like I can't dedicate myself to doing this important job when I'm focused on something else. So I just went. I just said to myself, I'm just going to go for this music, you know, um, give it a proper go, you know, and dedicate my time to just it. And if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll, then, I'll then try and fi- find something else to fall back on. No. I mean, and like you were at your early 20s at that point, you know, and it was kind of like mid 2000s. And tell me about those early days of you've made that decision and you're like, right, this is what I'm going to go for. And yeah, those early that those early couple of years of going out there, gigging, being a singer songwriter. What was that like? Yeah, it was it was actually really fun. I wouldn't swap that time I had for anything. Like I auditioned for a few things around that time as well, like pop stars and different things like that got down to the last few but I wasn't ready at all like it was 19 when I auditioned for that and um and then um I just you know I went down the singer songwriter path and used to gig in pubs and clubs and restaurants and anywhere really in corporate bands um jazz clubs everything got to know a lot of musicians around Ireland and um so I'd be gigging maybe two or three nights a week um very often I bought my own PA system so I'd set that up and then I just sit down with the guitar maybe and play for two hours, usually covers, you know, because people are coming in and they just want to have a few drinks and like, you know, and there were some rowdy nights where you just have all like be strumming and everyone <laughs> dancing all around the place. Then you go to some other quiet restaurants where you're just singing and kind of crooning to them, you know, so it was like a bit of very dull, great experience. So I loved it, you know, and, and I had a CD of my own original songs that I would sell at the end of a gig um, for five euro. Um, and then I entered a couple of national song contests and I won, won the Glynn song contest a couple of times. Um, I went on to do the Eurovision back in vocalist for, for Ireland, Brian mm-hmm. Kennedy in 2006. So there was a few, there was loads of like nice fun things happening, but it kind of like didn't, didn't, I didn't really know where it was going. And I just was so dying for this break to happen because I was like, oh, I'm doing it a few years now. And it's like, where am I going with this? It's not really a career like singing in pubs, you know. And and, uh, and so obviously 2007, you get the audition for the Saturdays. Now tell me all about that because, you know, we've heard in the past really famous stories of like the Spice Girls finding the, the advert in the stage. And obviously we saw mm-hmm. Girls Aloud being formed on screen. What was it like for the Saturdays? All of us were sort of um, found our way into the Saturdays and different ways but my my story was the the literally like a bit like the Spice Girls just seeing an ad I just googled auditions in London (laughs) I literally did that and that's the truth and then it came up and I think it might have been the stage or one of them kind of talent you know looking for talent oh yes I love this (laughs) yeah and I think it might have been another one though wasn't the stage or maybe it was and I just like saw it said looking for female singer now there was about a million ads but this one stood out to me because it said major label you know so i was mm-hmm. like oh because like there, there, there's always chancers out there putting bands together yeah and, well, i was in a couple of dodgy bands myself in the past it didn't go anywhere that i thought that were meant to be the next big thing uh, <laughs> so you know so it's like oh i said and you know what i was like i don't care if i don't if i don't get this I'll, something else will happen i was i was feeling quite positive actually um and i just saw the audition looking for female vocalists and um, I was actually 25 at the time, and it said age between 18 and 28. Quite a broad, you know, yeah. age range there. But I thought, isn't that lovely now? They're not being ageist here. Um, and it just says, you know, you, you we're looking for girls that would sing. I think they mentioned something about dancing. I was like, oh, because you know, I wasn't from a dancing background. I was like, I just normally be sitting on a stool playing a guitar. So, um, although I do love to dance, you know, but not. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been you know, my my biggest my you know biggest strength at the time but I learned <laughs> and I auditioned and kept getting the callbacks they kept whittled them down flying over and back and it was it was turned out to be very expensive because I was mm. funding it myself and I was paying for these flights over and back putting myself up in uh, hotels and all that so 
got down to the last seven, I remember, and I just thought, oh, imagine now not getting into it at, at this point. Oh. Um, but luckily I did. But that's amazing because I always think when you have an audition process, you know you've earned your right to be there. You know that actually you can feel confident in the fact that I deserve to be here. I put the work in, you know, yeah. and, and I've claimed my place. And I, when I remember when I turned up actually at the, the very first audition, which was just, I sang a cappella, I sang Black Horse and a Cherry Tree. And I just remember like stomping the foot and going, you know, and I you know, give the beat, get the beat. Woohoo! I didn't yeah. have like the, the loop station, but like I was like making my own one. I'd say they were looking at me, going, what is she at? <laughs> I remember at the time it was just the A, it was the A and R and the manager at the time was just the two of them. And it was in a, um, a bar in London called The Spice of Life. And it, M- Molly was the only person I saw at that audition. I didn't speak to her, but I just saw her in the distance. So when I saw her again, I remembered her. Oh, that's that girl with the long blonde hair that looks like Sienna Miller. That's so I thought. Yeah. Such a resemblance to Sienna Miller. I almost had her mistaken for her, you know. Um, but like I came that day with, I had my CD. Um, I had loads of photographs all printed off. I had a big biog printed off. I had my link to my MySpace. I've been working hard on the MySpace. So MySpace <laughs> was one of the early days of social media. And I had a, a music MySpace page. And I always would put the tracks up. So I had it built up like a good um, CV, I guess. And I brought that with me. Um, and I went in with the attitude, you know, if this doesn't happen, there'll be something else. Because know. as you said then as well, and, and I'd mentioned it in my notes, kind of 25 at that point, I mean, it feels so ridiculous now, but you and I are the same age, so we will have come up against the same things. 25 mm. was kind of, oh, you're erring on the slightly older side to be going into into pop. That's kind of how mm. I, I know that I was made to feel at that time. And and so for you, as you said then, oh, it's really good that they weren't being ageist and they were being a little bit more open. You know, have you come up, had you come up against that before? No, it was actually only, because um, when I saw the age 18 to 28, I was like, well, I'm still, you know, within that bracket. And uh, um, I think there was like, there was a good mix at the auditions as well. There was definitely a few my age too, that we, and we were like, because we were, 25 old it was a 23 year old and she was like I'm 23 and she was like almost mortified that she was 23 and I looked at her and then me and another girl actually looked at each other and went well I said how old are you and she was like 25 I was like me too <laughs> you know like we're like at a, but they look so young I was like it doesn't really matter everyone all kind of looked the same age you know it doesn't it doesn't matter it's age is only a number but yeah I, I thought that was great that, that they didn't cut it off because it could be so cutthroat like that can you imagine like going for the audition and it's like sorry it's for it's for um 18 to 24s you know like how horrible would that be you know and that's what i mean is kind of in the previous Mm. kind of like girl band phase shall we say or pop star phase it would have probably it would have been an yeah it would have been an issue you know it was all kind of like the britney spears and christina and rihanna Mm. all that young kind of get them at 16 and and once they're past 20 odd that's it they're done which is so mental and so ridiculous and especially when you consider the music industry now and you're looking at people like j-lo you know just oh it's very different for now incredible mm, I, I think it's um that, that ageism is, has gone out the window which i'm delighted to see um there's no not so much a pressure that you have to achieve so much in such a young age i think it's too uh, maybe too much pressure on a young person to, to expect so much of them so young and they think they just people get their breaks at different times and different ages and in different ways so you can never like there shouldn't be a, an age put on it and it's all the experience that you have until then too so i felt like i had gained a lot of experience so and um, with that, you know, I had that going with me too. Um, that I wouldn't have had when I was younger, like when I was nineteen, because I grew up in a in a small town here that we didn't. I didn't go to a stage school, and I only had the experience of get, gigging in in pubs and all that sort of thing. So it was a little bit different. And so was the dynamic slightly different then, because obviously, like with you know Frankie and Rochelle, they'd come from S Club Juniors, and they'd kind of gone a different route to probably like you and perhaps the other girls. You know, what was the dynamic like when you finally got together? See, they had all that experience of that. So we all brought our own experience to the group. You know, everyone had their own journeys as far as we got. But but once once we got there together and we're in this group, it was a whole new one. It was a clean slate again, because even the girls would say like, oh, I remember we used to do whatever TVs they used to do that were slightly, they were different. It was like a whole new era, really. So um, it's just like starting fresh again. But they had the experience. So, so I guess that, that stood to us as a group as well, because they had that um, uh Vanessa went to Sylvia Young yeah and uh, Molly was in a girl band actually I believe she was actually poached from that girl band oh I think I remember reading that at the time yeah actually yeah Yeah. and and also in terms of you know like 
as you said, you come from a singer-songwriter background, which was that part of the being in the band was really important to you, wasn't it? Especially in the early days, you know, there, were, there were some of your original songs that you've written that actually got turned into B-sides. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I Had It With Today was one of my songs that was on that CD. It was on the CD that I used to sell at gigs that we, we recorded as a group as well. And um, I, I wrote quite a bit um, with the girls as well for the album tracks and B-sides and we just were like it was single after single after single after single and we were on the road promoting promoting that there wasn't a lot of time for creativity and going in and writing because I, I do love the songwriting process but you need time you know um, so there wasn't enough of that I think really but it didn't matter because we just having the best time ever you know I wouldn't swap that time that I had it was six years of being in the group and it was such amazing. I, I loved every minute of it, you know, uh, I really did. And, it, and I, I just appreciate so much the opportunities that it has given me over the years as well. And um, I, feel, I feel really lucky, you know, and I know that. And I remember even in one of the learning one of the first routines, like it was quite a tricky one up, you know, it was lovely. Yeah. And I remember the girl actually that was teaching us the routine. Um, just remember, we were all a bit like tired one evening, and and we we're just like, oh, I just don't have, to, oh, do we have to do it again or whatever? Anyway, she just and she just said something, and you know, someone says something that sticks with you for a while. She was like, do you realize the cues that would go out that door now if they knew that there was a girl group in here and that they could swap a place with you? And then she was like, yeah, she's so right. Like, and I and I, I always knew that. I always knew that as well that there is so many, so many girls out there that would do anything to be in my position. So I appreciated it still still do and in terms of you know frankie personally she's been extremely open about the things that she struggled with during the band and i suppose you know even even i watched the caroline flat doc documentary not long ago and i think this when she talked about being wired for a certain um industry because it can be very negative you know and you and you girls were in the first real flurry of social media and mm. kind of the, that time of life um you know, Jessie Nelson just recently stepped away from Little Mix. Would you think, like, for her, that was a really sensible decision? Like, if you're not, if you're not coping very well, actually, it's probably best to step away, just because it's it can be very difficult. The Little Mix have had such huge success, and they've been together like a long time. They were they were they're together now longer than we were mm -hmm. together, you know. Um, and she should be so proud of everything that they've achieved as a group. And she wants time out for herself and to concentrate on herself. That's obviously the ultimate most important thing is to, to look after yourself and how, however you're feeling. I, I don't know Jessie at all, so but I know if, if as long as she's happy isn't that the most important thing. Don't ever put keep yourself or do anything that's that's making you unhappy, you know? Absolutely. Um, it's for everyone, like personally, I don't know what people go through as well in their lives, but you just have to look after yourself, you know? You really do. And like I was just saying there, you know, social media can be really it can be such a scary place. You know, it can be an amazing place, but it can be really scary as well. And it's kind of, you know, trying to tread that line sometimes. Worse now as well, like, because when yeah. we were starting out, there was Twitter, you see, it was all Twitter, because I went from being my MySpace, that I loved MySpace, and then that went away. Um, and then there was Twitter. And then and then Instagram kind of like, yeah, we were we were there for, for the beginning of Instagram, I'd say. Um, but it's all just so fake, you know, even everything now, it's just this whole facade that people are putting on that everything is rosy in the garden when you don't know what's going on. And it's nice to highlight all the special moments, but you know, mm -hmm. the reality of it isn't. And that's why a lot of people are, are kind of joking and poking fun in it now. Instagram versus reality. And there's a lot more of that as well, which is good. I think people can, you can see when something is, is, is photoshopped to death and, and, and you kind of nearly laugh at it yourself or you, you know, we're all kind of guilty of going, you know, I'm not putting that horrible one up and go through <laughs> about a million pictures to get the one that you're happy with, you know, and you have that option. Whereas back in the day for us, it wasn't um, that, there was the, the paps, you know, which yeah. there's now people, because they don't have a job now because they, um, people are putting up their own pictures and the media don't have to pay for them because they're already out there in, in the social, like they're, they're public property. Whereas back then, there wasn't that as much and we weren't revealing very much about ourselves. So they used to follow us around and um, yeah, stalk us outside our house to have them down, especially when I had the kids and stuff, they'd wait down the end of the road just to get a glimpse of you with your new child or, um, and, and on holidays, they got pictures of me, like, unfortunately, had no top on and a few of them. And it was all over the papers and horrible, like. And then they used to get the cameras and stick them under your skirt, like getting into a car. So th this is the kind of stuff we dealt with, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know which is worse, to be honest, you know. Um, I had a few trolls on Twitter back in the day. Um, but what I always did with them, like, it would upset me sometimes to say things and it would stick with you, even though, like, you're getting all these hundreds of lovely messages, maybe, like, 
five percent of them are horrible. Like for some reason, you just focus on this, this neg- negative, which you shouldn't. So I've, what I decided to do is I just block, block, block. That's why the block button is there. <laughs> just, but just block them, you know. And and I, I used to block one of this person. Used to keep hounding me all the time, and I block, 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 and they come back on, ha ha, and back, and you're like, oh, just the same name, but with like an but extent. with a slightly different thing on, oh, and you're like, one. go away. <laughs> yeah, and you was the same one. I was like, you loser, what are you doing? Just block, 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 and they gave up eventually. Um, but yeah, they, they, I found that that it's tough, and they'd be going into a club. Remember, like that whole coming out, and they just and you might be blinking, and they'd be like, "Oh, you were, you know, wasted coming out of the club." But there'd be about fifty of them in front of you, and it's just mm-hmm. flash, 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 and you're trying, and, you, and you're just even just trying to find where you're going. Like, yeah, me and my husband were coming out of an event, and um, the guy was clicking under my skirt and well trying to and so we got into this you know like the big almost people carrier type taxis Mm. and he slid the door open and was flashing 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 and the the taxi driver set off and my husband turned around and went what are you doing for his own safety but the picture when we eventually saw it online made James my husband look so aggressive and so horrible and that's absolutely not what Not was happening situation. yeah i know and that's it and they love that as well and they all oh, do you ever remember they used to do this thing where they'd want a reaction as well and they'd sit grunts like horrible sounds or noises or say things to provoke you so that you'd give a scowl or something it's like they just want that picture you know for the front where it's like um ooh, the tortures and it's like you know that face <laughs> or, 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 shame and it's like uh, <laughs> they just want that horrible picture another one as well it was like on stage or we're doing a gig and uh, whatever way, the lighting was just oh, horrendous, you know, and everyone has a little bit of cellulite. Oh, they zoomed in on that cellulite. They were loving it, you know, um, and then that was all, you know, at the time, those magazines used to like, oh. yeah, like a shame corner where they'd be like circling around it. I remember, this, remember like, yeah, it was, and then a like, the circle around the, d- zoomed in on the, on the cellulite. bodies of shame and things like that. And I mean, yeah. this is the, the era that both, you know, you and I kind of came through in Mm -hmm. and you know we've seen recently like the Britney Spears documentary and we've seen all these like the backlash now of what actually that decade or those decades did to certain people you know how it actually affected them and you know it it was really wrong and as you you know as you said um earlier things are changing things are moving and you know we're not seeing so much of that now we're seeing more body positivity which is amazing and we're seeing more people um of different ages and different diversities out there in the media and it does seem like a much better place to be yeah. don't you think it, it definitely does yeah and i think it's nice to celebrate that and, and acknowledge it because there's a lot, a lot about well it must be so tough now with social media and everything no, it's definitely a lot of amazing changes have happened over the last few mm-hmm. years for the better. Um, and, you know, that kind of thing can't, it wouldn't be accepted now and it shouldn't be and it should never have been. But, you know, it just took time for it to be highlighted and, um, and, and, and stopped, you know. So. And in terms of like, you know, like you said, social media then with your kids, um, do you worry about them? You know, especially with Aoife, do you worry kind of with the whole social media side of things or... Because every kid wants to be a YouTuber now, don't they? Which yeah, is basically does. the version of what we did. Yeah. So, you know, my my Freddie does. Um, but do you ever worry about the slightly darker side of it with the kids? Oh, I have to keep an eye on her because she she's oh, she's just knows so much about how to use a phone and how to type. Like I saw her on a, on a laptop and she's only just turned nine. And she's like, I'd say she can do like 70, 80 words a minute. She's just like, click, 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 click. And I remember I had to, because I actually did a secretarial course when I, when I left school. Anything else? <laughs> that's another thing I forgot, I forgot about that old chestnut yeah <laughs> so yeah um yeah I remember learning the keyboard a s d f colonel k j and then having to like learn and watch this big poster of how to where to put your fingers or oh, she's yeah it's just they're they're they you know their their screens are everywhere now and they have to they use them for school they use them for everything so but I have to keep an eye on it like I've got all the restrictions set up but for some reason she knows how to turn them off as well mm. you know so I've a couple of times had to, you know, take the phone off her and go away for a bit and look through it. And, you know, she 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 has like a TikTok that I say you can't go public on. And then the other time she'd flick it so that she's public so that she can get followers. And I'm, I'm like, I have to watch all that. It's really stressful because, you don't, you know, you, and I, mean, I don't want to be given out to her, but I have to warn her of the dangers. And she understands now. But like, yeah, there's been a few scary moments where like, you know, I've been, you know, a little bit scared of, of what she might be looking at and that. So. 
And it is, it's hard, isn't it? Because we're the same with Fred, you know, and he's going on and on about, you know, I, I kind of started a bit of a YouTube channel with him, but I've got it on private. And I was like, mm. you know, if you want to kind of practice, that's fine. And then when you get a bit older, then we can make it public. But he's yeah. the same. They're so secretive. Mm. Oh, you'll flick it and I'll be like, um, excuse yeah. me, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. That's it's so true. hard, isn't it? Yeah. And they they can access everything that we couldn't access. And I think with the lockdown, that's only kind of made it a bit worse because for a lot of kids, it's been the only way they can communicate with their yeah. friends, isn't it? Yeah, and they and it's like they know they know way more than we ever knew. Like they're they're not naive at all about stuff, you know. And because because all they have to do now is Google it. Like if they're curious about anything, it's just it's just put it into Google and they. You just, I think they know too much. Just say that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, but that's just how it is now, you know. There's and and as you mentioned earlier, you know, you 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 are a single parent now, and you know, you've you've come from um, you've you separated from your husband a while a good while back now. Um, but you know that p- period in your life of kind of re- reinvention and reinventing a life that you know, and that that time, how how was that for you? Kind of, you know, that that transition because I expect it would be of similar as well when you had to kind of take a a hiatus from the band in the sense that having to reinvent your life again into a different way Mm. how has that been for you and you know what things have you looked back on or or, or taken that have helped you kind of maneuver your your life into a different area I suppose it's it's kind of like um you know it it happens in different stages of your life you go from primary school to secondary school that's a huge Mm. change you know that's kind of the first big change you, you you remember in life and then and then finishing school to go on to do whatever you're doing and, you know, changing your, your groups of, you know, you'll keep your certain friends that will, will be there for life, but you'll meet new people. And it's just different chapters, you know, different chapters of your life. Um, it's just another, another, it was like a long chapter. Or maybe it was a few, a, a, a series of chapters that I've been through, but I'm, I'm very fortunate now that I feel like I'm in a, a new chapter from that, mm-hmm. like almost like a new series rather than episode, if you know what I mean. Maybe that's a better way to describe it. You know, it's like a, um, you know, you have to go through to go through that series, that that particular series um, of episodes. And now I'm in a, I'm, I'm lucky that I feel I can say now um, I'm just really I'm feeling really happy at the minute and in a really good place. And um, it's just life, and life will always throw you know there'll be a spanner in the works here and there. And you, you just don't know what's around the corner. And, you know, you can go to people say, where do you see yourself in five years? I think it's like a really, it's a ridiculous question because nobody knows where they're going to be. And very often you'll, you'll go five years and very little will change. Mm. And in, 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 overnight, your whole world could turn upside down, you know? So you just have to be prepared for that. But just all you can do is just take one day at a time, you know? Because like I said, there'll be lots of people now that are out there, you know, and the pandemic will have dramatically changed their lives. They would have just yeah. been like turned upside down. What what anchors would you say or what, what things have helped you, like you say, you know, come to this point where you are now where you do feel happy? Is it, you know, self-care? Is it, what, what are the things that have been your go-to to kind of help you get to this phase? Definitely talking and opening up and just chatting and, you know, getting it all off your chest and um, just communicating is really important and not to, to like bottle things up. Um, you know, your network of friends are so important. Your friends are all, your real friends will always be there for you and your family. Um, and that's just, just really like what all we can do, you know, just, we all have a great support network of people around us and just, just, you know, look for that help too. And wherever you need it, there's, there's resources out there as well to help. And, um, you know, just know you're not alone. There's people go to, you don't know what's going on in people's homes and everything but you know not life isn't easy for everyone you know and um there's challenges along the way and i'm sure i'll come across lots more now that i've got kids especially <laughs> i'm going to be faced with them as well it's not just you know uh, there's no, no place to be selfish now i'm like um these two little little children are d- dependent on me so kind of stay strong for them too they're they gave me strength as well knowing i have because i have to be there for them I, c- I couldn't just put them aside and, and walk away from them they're my they're my priority so um, just focusing on them, I think for me was was a huge help. You're moving into the next decade now, yeah. the next phase of your life, which you know you will, like me, turn forty this year. And you know, how does that feel? Oh, when are you, like, when yeah. are you forty? Literally two weeks after you. Oh, really? Oh my God, because we're exactly the same age. So yes, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> I'm kind of like I know I've got my feelings about it, but I was just inquisitive to know kind of because even when I was like, I don't looking... really think about it. Yeah, I actually don't. And I, I even when you said, it, I was like, am I? <laughs> <laughs> 
you yeah. see you think i think i don't know maybe it's like that i've been conditioned to thinking like oh god for, like everybody asks me like oh you're turning 40 what are you doing for your 40 yeah, 40, oh, 40. i'm like oh my god <laughs> like so i just wondered kind of what your take on it was i remember like being 25 and then my, my 20 i was scared of my 26th birthday going oh my god i'm so old you know whereas now i don't feel like that um i don't know what it is um i just think it's great it's a celebration to still be around you were so lucky like so many people in life don't get this far and i'm so grateful to to have had these years and, and I, I still look forward to it and i still i feel great actually i feel really um feel, feel strong and healthy and uh, i think i i definitely concentrate more on my health and my and and fitness and all that more than i would have in the past like as I, I i understand like you know as we get older we have to look after ourselves more so i kind of make a conscious effort a bit more in that department so but um uh, i just it's great to feel yeah to feel happy with it and content with it and yeah it doesn't scare me at all really no i don't feel scared of it i feel really excited about it i keep saying to people you know like I think I'll be a bit more mouthy. I'll be a bit more liberated with what yeah. I say to people as I get into my 40s, probably because I've been a bit of a people pleaser when I was younger. You know, if you were if you were going to pass on some words of wisdom now, to like at your age now to your younger self, like what would be some of the things that you might say to younger Una? Because um, oh, I would be a worrier, you know, so mm -hmm. and I don't know if that will ever go away. I'm probably one of them real old ones in a, a nursing home somewhere still worrying about everything, you know, so... <laughs> So I don't know, like, yeah, I would say don't be worrying, but Trump, I, keep, I keep having to tell myself that every day, you know, um, so because like, I care so much, you know, like I really do. I care about everything so much. And um, but yeah, I don't really know. I think just 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 do your best. Carry on. And um, yeah, it's hard really to, to like just because all you can do, isn't it? And so if we come back to music, you know, like now where you're at now with your personal style, your music, you're out there, you've had your your last album, The Waiting Game, you've got a brand new single out now. And again, it's very much of the country flavour. And is that where you're happiest? Is that kind of where musically, you know, that's where you feel most at home? Yeah. So it's a singer songwriter song, you know, because it's, it's a, an original song that I co-wrote with a girl called Rachel Ferner. And it was like a the whole production and, and melody and everything was in my head before we went in to write together. And I just like, I play, I started just picking up the guitar, I started playing the melody idea. And then Rachel, she's great on the piano. So we demoed it that day, wrote it together lyrically and um, finished the song. And she, um, yeah, she demoed it on the piano. And then I, but I still had this the production in my head of it being a more rocky kind of yeah. country rock song. So then um, I'm friends with, Fred Abbott, who I worked with before, and he used to be in Noah and the Whale. He was their guitarist. So he's a great producer. And I've, I did my last single with him as well. And I just kind of explained to him how I heard it. And he made it come to life. So it's exactly the way it was. Like I literally was going around one day with this song in my head. And now it's it's out there. Like it's a, it's, it's like inventing something. It's a, it's, a, it's a great feeling. And you can't help it. It just comes, it's like inspiration. It just, just comes into your head. Um, and, and, and then there's, I've written songs before though, that like, I didn't, I just was in a writing session and we'd be back and forth with ideas or just picking up the guitar and just like humming a melody and you'd be like, Oh, I love that. What's that? And then play that again kind of thing. But this was actually something that I had going around in my head for a while. Um, but the, the, uh, it does have a country element to it, but every song I write is just a song that's about stuff that's going on in my life that I can feel almost like a bit therapeutic writing it and putting, getting it out there and hoping that other people will relate to it too so it's not too personal because i don't like when anything is like so personal that you're going no people won't get that i, want, I love when people say i love your songs or, they help me uh, or I've, i find that this song is very much relatable to my situation and that you know and in terms of that genre you know are there any um people that have really inspired you or like who would you look to for in, you know, that are your icons or inspiration cheryl crow is the like my ultimate one you know yeah. so i remember being 12 like watching her on the big breakfast you probably remember that too yeah and she was like they played a clip of the video and she was like all i wanna do and i was like thinking oh i just, just like want to be like that one day and you know i followed her career and was so lucky to get to see her in glastonbury last summer oh, or i keep saying last summer it was actually it was gonna be two years yeah <laughs> oh. yeah and i just thought yeah she i loved it i loved the way the longevity of her career as well because she's still like you know doing a big gig in glastonbury now and she still looks amazing so um which are like she's a fantastic um inspiration of mine but also like all oh, like i loved all that sort of um the the, the 90s of like shania twain garth brooks faith hill um trisha yearwood and leanne rhymes you know I, yeah I all that 
And then I, I just I appreciate all the genres of music, really. But then I love people like the singer songwriters like Damien Rice. And, you know, he would have inspired me too. Katie Tunstall, um, when I started kind of going on my own, um, doing the singer songwriter route. Um, Jewel, I loved her as well. I remember Jewel. Oh, Jewel's amazing. Yeah, so, so amazing. So they were like my inspirations growing up and, and when I started out. And I still feel inspired by our artists, even, you know, new and upcoming ones, too. Like, I just I love to listen to hear what's original there. What, what are they doing? I think you have to keep a certain amount of originality or you're not going to be any different. You don't want to be a copycat. Like, you can get inspiration, but you don't want to copy. Like, you have to, there has to be something in there that's like every time you, you turn on a, a song, you know who it is. Yeah. And that just quickly brings me to before we kind of finish up is, um, you know, like obviously you've, you've judged on The Voice Island. Now, obviously so much of that is based on the voice and the talent. And as you say, being being recognisable. How was that for you as a job? And, you know, did you did you love that part of it in the sense that it was just based on the voice and the talent as opposed oh, to what yeah. the, the whole final look was? Oh, it's, it's just it's the first thing you hear, like you, you get to know the, the contestants and you work with them and there's all the other elements are brought into it after that. But it's lovely to think that you're all your all your senses are just going into listening to that voice, you know, Um I remember like, I was so lucky um, with uh, Patrick Donahue was on my team. He actually walked out on stage first um, in the audition process. And I remember it was my first year of doing it because I did it for two years. And my chair, I was mad to press that. Record. <laughs> I was like, I'm probably going to press it no matter who comes on stage. But his voice, I was like, oh my, where is this voice coming from? And he was, it was unreal. Everyone turned for him. And then I got him when he was on my team and he went on to win it as well. So um, it was, I was very, very lucky and um, worked really well with him. We're still good friends. And it's just nice to, to kind of to be the other side. Cause I auditioned too. And I know when I can empathize with the contestants and, mm-hmm. and how, how hard, how tough it is walking out on that stage. And because when you're auditioning, it's like you're being tested and it's like, you feel you feel so vulnerable um it's not like a performance it's not like going out mm. there like doing a gig where people are coming to see you or you're just doing it because you enjoy it it's pure fear i always felt in an auditions situation i hate auditioning never liked it it's horrible because um, as you say it's like you haven't got the job yet and what the difference yeah. is, when you're a performer and you're out there in your own right people yeah. have come to see you so you know it's yeah. going to be fine yeah. well, and you're still kind of going pick me <laughs> it's really yeah, hard it's, it's, it's such a it's really tough and this is why it's so hard for anyone starting out or, or breaking into it like it's just it's a really t- tough old road you know trying to trying to prove yourself or, or get your break it's just yeah it's really hard like looking back it's just like that fear all the time when you're going so you're going oh I better do this and then you're like you know going oh I could have done that better or I should have done this and should have so it is it's a tough old one you know but I yeah doing it like that I was I really had that in mind as well when I was a, a mentor on The Voice to, to know like I wouldn't go harsh on any of the contestants because I knew also as well how nervous they were you know and um and how much it would mean to them and everything like that so I wasn't I wasn't mean and even though like like now you present um country hits uh, on the on the radio on, on breakfast on Saturdays um and there's music you know what else what else is the few and, and shoes that we haven't even got a chance to talk about yet which oh. were like amazing but in fact you know let's talk shoes quickly is it is that where did that start like what of all the things that you could have designed why shoes um, well, I'm, I work with a team of people, so it's not like as if I'm just in there in the workshop myself. But we are. Um, it's, it's a collective collaboration with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, amazing designers and um, and people that like. She was my uncle, Declan the singer. Um, his partner Elizabeth has a shoe shop in Monaghan called Shoe Sisters, and they stock a few different ranges and a few Irish celebrities have a range, and they got in touch with the people that do those, so they were like you know would you like a meeting with Una because like I just love fashion and shoes and I met with the people and we just chatted about it and it released the first round and now we're like three years on and we're bringing out the spring summer and then actually now around now they're, they're, they're hitting the shops hopefully when they open but they're online it's Una Healy original collection you can get them online we, we ship all over the world but they're just they're affordable they're lovely shoes that like yeah there's all sorts in there there's, there's high heels low heels flats trainers boots everything um I just love shoes so yeah it was, it was <laughs> I, think every, I think all girls love shoes and I was just gonna say what is it just the fact that you know some people say it's the way you walk or a shoe can a shoe can actually bloody change your life in the sense yeah. that it changes your posture it changes who you are is that kind of the same for you yeah you've got like in the tagline in the shoe um it says rocket you know like you rock it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> strut your stuff. I was going, I actually was going to be strut your stuff. And they're like, well, you can't put that in there. I was like, oh, God, I can like that. You know? I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, no, but rock it is probably like, yeah, it's like nice kind of 
ties in with the music as well, I guess. And um, you just rock them shoes, you know, and yeah, I've, I've had a few like nights out where I'd be out and girls are like, just literally put their foot up on the table and be like, oh, I'm wearing your shoes. And I'm like, yay. You know? <laughs> oh, that must be so ace though. I mean, like oh, you so go, nice. oh my God. Yeah, that, that's my shoe. And well, yeah, hopefully we'll find the occasions to wear them because there's quite a few glamorous ones, um, you know, in the collection that, you know, just, just hoping now that we find the, the occasions to wear them too, where we can actually get out there a bit more. Like that. Unfortunately, fashion has suffered quite a lot during mm-hmm. this time you know, we're all guilty of it. Like I'm sitting here chatting to you with a fancy blouse on and wearing tracksuit bottoms. (laughs) (laughs) Zoom ready. We're always Zoom ready. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, exactly. You know, it doesn't, I'm just, I'm fed up with that though. I want to be head to toe. Glamour. All the glam. Yeah. (laughs) And so just before we do finish, Una, you're like, as you said, you kind of don't think too far ahead, take it one step at a time. But you know what, well, oh, I don't even feel like I can ask you this now. I was going to say, what what would you like to do next? What what would you be your thing that you oh. think? Oh, I haven't done that yet. I don't know, actually. Um, oh, because I have to prepare myself for my kids getting older. I think that's like that's probably one of the biggest kind of fears for me is that when like my Eve is now nine, you know, to think of her then going through those years and becoming a teenager and all that only because I remember myself as one that's that's kind of scares me a bit like but I'm sure I'll be fine it's like when people before they have their first baby they're like what am I gonna do uh I'm now thinking of the teens that's 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 gonna be my biggest uh challenge I think but they're no they're good kids so I'm looking forward to it as well you know I'm looking forward to to um just seeing what they're up to and what they're doing and hearing all the little gossip from their friends and I've it all ahead of me. I've it all ahead of me. I've, yeah, lots, lots coming. <laughs> but um, yeah, who knows? Anyway, we can only with these, this pandemic as well. We just don't know what's around the corner. But um, I'll continue to write songs. That's my, my, my main passion, passion in life is just to release music. And I, it just makes me happy. So I'll, I'll, I'll always continue to do that. And um, yeah, I mean, my... Well, thank you so much. It's been, it's honestly, it's been so lovely to have you with me. Thank you so much. Uh, It's been amazing to have your time. And we wish you so much luck with all of your music. And also your single, Swear It All Again, is available to download now. So go out there and find it, guys. I mean, if you want to let us know exactly where we can get it, Una. Oh, yeah. Well, you can can stream it on all platforms it's just my you can find my my um una healy is just the name u-n-a-h-e-a-l-y um yeah you'll find it there yeah and you can also catch it with una every saturday morning at country hits radio where she'll be ready to help you kick off your weekend in country style if you'd like more well-being fashion and beauty then you can always visit us at our website www.thecapsule.co.uk where you can also catch up with our previous podcast episodes by visiting the in conversation page and subscribing to any of our podcast channels and youtube do leave us your rates and reviews as always we love hearing your feedback it's always lovely to see you your comments and if you're a social butterfly you can also catch us on instagram and facebook at official capsule i will be back next week with another very special guest so all that's left for me to say today is have a gorgeous rest of the easter break and goodbye so it's goodbye from una bye bye everyone and goodbye from me This episode of The Capsule in Conversation was brought to you by Harrogate Spring Water. Bottled at source, Harrogate Spring offers a pure, refreshing taste with a delicate blend of naturally occurring minerals and electrolytes, perfect for healthy hydration.